What's up, fanatics? Happy uh, Saturday night. Hope y'all are doing well. At the start of this recording, it's 5.53 in the eastern seaboard. Clones just got rolled by Notre Dame in the camp out, I mean, Camping World Bowl. Um, Stansberry and I decided to just stop at a random hotel bar, get a nice cold beer, and uh, do our annual postpartum, I mean postmortem, Iowa State football podcast. What's up, Stansberry? What's up, dude? It's good to be here. Actually, not that good to be here, but we're here. They don't have our drink of choice, Bush Light, down here. I was talking just in general. Well, I was saying Jared went with the Bud Light. I've got the Yingling on draft is what I – because that's what we do on the post more. I mean, the post – Partum. No, you had it right there. The post-mortem. Yeah. Sorry. Been a lot of babies going on around my house lately. Uh, now we're watching Oklahoma just get rolled up on. They've given up 42 points with four minutes to go in the second quarter. I hate my life right now. Everybody's being a jerk on Twitter. Probably you, guy listening right now. I just... um, um Overall takeaway for me... Iowa State comes to this game. You take on a blue blood that's 10-2. and two, um, Up a stage in the sense that you lead into the college football playoff. And sometimes, you know, when you when you go from – and don't take this literally, everybody, but when you go from the, like, the JV level and you start playing varsity, sometimes you get your ass kicked. And you've done that. Like, and how do you bounce back from it? How do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? That, to me, is going to be the story of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to know what it's like to go from one level to play in another, look at this game that's going on right now. Oklahoma's one of the top ten teams in the country, and they are getting their asses kicked right now. It's a team that Iowa State almost beat. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I also would say that the guy that are angry on Twitter probably aren't listening to us because generally they think we're too positive. So uh, they're probably not listening. But um, I've I mean, seen the numbers. They're probably listening. That's fair, yeah. Uh, but I think that, man, I just think – that it, it is really disappointing to see Iowa State come out and play the way they did today, primarily because it didn't feel like we saw the same level of fight and the same level of, uh, I don't know, will maybe that we did in some of Iowa State's early, Iowa State's games earlier in the season. It's like where they got twenty down 20-6 to six and you're like, all right, well, this is over. You never really felt like they had that, that oomph in them to go and make a run. When, when what's-his-name, um, had the, like, 90-yard touchdown run, that was the game. Yeah, and, I mean, and even then, I, I felt like, all right, if they're going to win, they need to come out of halftime. They need to go down and score on their first possession. Instead, they go three and out, and they look crappy doing it. And then they punt the ball, and then Notre Dame scores on literally the first play of the drive. And I was like, all right, yeah, it, this ain't happening today. And – there were just way too many little stupid mistakes. I know. I mean, I know Coach Campbell talked about there's seven, eight plays. I do think there were seven, eight plays that that decided the game, but they were really like really early in the game to well, where it would yeah. be hard to recover from them. The, I think the initial uh, the punt return, because like to me at that point we were still like kind of like oh does Notre Dame want to be here? Is Iowa State the more, you know, more motivated football team? And you get that awesome three and out. You force Notre Dame to start. Crowd's on fire. Then that fumble happens. 
Defense gets another stand, and then you know the offense is moving the ball right down the field, and the, and it just sucked any sort of momentum away. And it's a you could feel it in that stadium. Yeah. Iowa State was they were beating the first eight minutes of that game, and I, we thought if you listen to any of our analysis, we we thought you had to play a really good game, a really clean game to beat Notre Dame. Yeah. I thought Iowa State could with a month off. I thought they were going to be the more motivated team, all that stuff, and. Um, I was wrong. Got their asses kicked. I don't think there's uh, there's really like there's not a lot more analysis you can give to the today. The at the at halftime the stats were almost identical, other than the two turnovers. Right, second half was an absolute rear end whipping. So you know what it actually is kind of like is it was a lot like the Iowa basketball game, uh, where Iowa State got down early, and you're like, okay, maybe they can make a little bit of a run. Anytime they would get any sort of momentum, Notre Dame would do something to immediately squash it. And I just – I think it, when it comes to that punt return, I really would like to get some clarity from Coach Campbell on what, well, what their philosophy is on punt returns. Because it seems almost like when – like the times when Tariq has tried to return it are times when I sit there and it's like, you've got four guys around you and you're trying to return the kick. And then he's got one where he's running at a full like a full head of steam on a low kick that he could have probably gotten a nice return on, and he fair caught it. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, which, what what does he have in terms of the decision-making to be able to decide whether or not he's going to return a punt? But at the end of the day, that is like a very small issue in a, in a season with a lot of other things that obviously kind of went wrong. I, I just think, too, I think, and I, I don't think this is what a lot of fans – like to hear but I think it's just you get to one level and I've, I've seen this with Iowa it's harder to get to that other level and I think that Iowa State got to the one level a lot faster than most people definitely faster than I had ever thought that they could I mean I tweeted this after the game like I think a lot of people go oh you're 7-6 and six, and you are you are what your record is no doubt but there's different types of seven and sixes. Like, to me, like I've watched Iowa State football a long time for a lot of weekends where you wake up and you just, like, you know you're going to lose. Like, you're, you're in, they, they weren't today. But you're in every game for the most part. Uh, you could win any game for the most part. And, like, it's, it's a lot like Baylor. I mean, look at what Baylor did this year compared to Iowa State. Analytically identical football teams. One team made plays when it mattered, executed in those types of situations, and the, others, the other didn't. So I agree with Matt Campbell after the game when he says that they're really close. I really do. I think that they're right there. But I do think it's more difficult than any of us realize I mean, I had him at eight and four before the year, so I don't feel that bad about my projection. I think I was right on, um, but it's it's tough to get to that second level, and I, th- I think we're experiencing that now. Yeah, and I think that that's something where, you know, you you look at so many of those plays that that kind of could have swung the season, and it feels like Iowa State's in a position now where they almost like have to, they almost have to like quit waiting for you know some of them are bad luck some of them are just chance plays where the ball bounces a certain way or something like that or you run into each other on a punt return and just like some crazy stuff but I feel like Iowa State's getting to a point where like they have to be able to create their own luck and like make their own luck not where you're leaving it up to chance you know what I mean it's like where 
when the ball comes to you, you catch the ball on defense if you're getting an interception. Or, like, you have to make your own luck sometimes. And it seems like Iowa State has really done a bad job of ever doing that. They're just, like, waiting for lucky th- kind of bounces to go their way. And, like, that's what the next step is. Like, you've got to where you can always be competitive. And then at the end of the day, like, there's going to be a handful of plays that it's, like, are going to swing the game. In the past, like, man, you think some of those last – Paul Rhodes' last two years, how many games did Iowa State ever play in that you could sit there and be like, this game swung on five plays? Not very many. No, hardly any. Hardly any at all. And now you're in a position where every game is like that. What do you have to do in order to get those plays to go your way? And that's where it's like – you have to come up with interceptions when you get an opportunity to do so. Spears missed one today. Right. Spears missed one today. There was a, there was another one, I think, that uh, bounced off somebody's hands. But those are the kinds of things. It's just like when you get an opportunity to make a play, you got to make a play. And if you can, do it. Or when you get into the backfield and you have an opportunity to, to sack the quarterback, you have to do it. Or you have an opportunity to uh, drop a runner for a loss, you have to do it. And Iowa State just hasn't been able to do that enough yet. They haven't been able to – get to that point where they win enough of those swing plays for them to go from being a 7-win team to being a 10-win team. I mean, Oklahoma is just getting taken behind the woodshed right now by LSU. Anyways, um, that's not why we are here. Uh, This is our post-mortem podcast. I do want to just take a second to thank a bunch of our sponsors for their help in getting us here and their coverage, our coverage all week. Shout out to the Iowa Clinic, the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, and Royal Flooring for their stepping up of their coverage of, of our coverage from Orlando. And then we had some other sponsors that were on board with Instant Reaction all year long, the Iowa State University Bookstore, of course our friends at Carl Chevrolet, and the McFarland Clinic, all great sponsors of what we do at Cyclone Fanatic. True story here, Jared. You were not a part of this. I met a guy at the bar last night. He is the owner of Elite Construction. He wants to come on board and support what we're doing here at Cyclone Fanatic. So I want to give a shout out to our friends, our new friends, at Elite Construction. I don't know much about the business yet, but I know that it's Elite. Elite Construction. And we're going to tell you more about them in the coming weeks. But they do work in all over, uh, like, roofing all over Des Moines, Ames, big fans of the podcast. And anytime you can work the name elite into anything, you've got to be elite. You know I'm a big fan of elite things. Elite construction, uh, elite point guard Tyrese Halliburton, elite quarterback Brock Purdy, elite head coach Bruce Bruce Weber. Uh, And right now, the elite LSU Tigers go Tigers and Coach O. So, yeah, shout out to, to Elite Construction. I'm admittedly getting too worked up over, like, a small minority of punks on Twitter. What are they doing now? Well, I just, like, I I don't know. Let's, let's have this conversation because I understand I, – I mean, if you read my column, I, and I, I spent the whole game writing it because I knew Iowa State was going to lose. I thought it was pretty apparent early on. I spent an entire like column writing about the disappointment of the year, disappointment of today, etc. But, like, can't that be true and you still look forward to next year and go like, oh, that could be a pretty good season. I compared this to 2005, a season that – 
our podcast listeners have heard me and Brent Bloom reference many times throughout the years, and the reason being it was a great turning point and not a good direction for the history of Iowa State football. That was a team that should have gone 10-2. and two. They lost three games in overtime. One of them was in double overtime. They lost um, just heartbreakers, just gut-wrenching games across the board, and it was similar because they couldn't, you know, figure uh, – very similar to this year. One big difference, Jared. Well, actually, two. This year's schedule was more difficult. They, that team didn't have to play Texas and Oklahoma. But the biggest is it, at the end of 2005, you lose to TCU and the, then Houston Bowl, and you look around and you go, well, this sucks. We're losing everybody. We're going to suck next year. You go 7-6 and six this year, very similar year. Again, all these close losses. I can, I can look at any of you in the eyes and go, hey, I, honestly, like, this is probably the best run in the history of Iowa State football in modern day. I, and don't, don't come at me with the, oh, Earl Bruce did. I don't care. Like, this is, we're not talking about that era. This is a totally different era. It's the best one I've ever experienced in my life. And I, I just don't think, like, I know people are emotional and I get it. Like, and I'm a little bit annoyed that I came all the way down to Orlando to watch that too. I, I, I feel you. But that doesn't mean that, like, the program is in shambles. And I, I, the, it's the small-minded thinking that just drives me crazy. Talk me off the ledge because I'm about ready to lose it. No, I mean, I think you made good points right there. And I, I've been, like, on a crusade of, like, trying to get people just to be even. Like, and this is, this is something that I was sitting there in the middle of the game today just thinking. It's like where you're starting to see people talking about but don't get this wrong. Tom Manning made mistakes this year. Tom Manning would tell you he made mistakes this year. He was not a perfect offensive coordinator. John Haycock, I guarantee, would tell you that he made mistakes this year. He was not a perfect defensive coordinator. But Iowa State's offense broke almost every school record that it potentially could. Iowa State's defense has gone from being one of the worst in the country to consistently being if not above average, to being one of the better defenses in college football. Let's not sit here and pretend that these guys are clowns. Like, they're the ones who've done this. And then if you want to sit there and say, like, oh, but Matt Campbell's done a good job. Okay, well, there's a double standard there. Mm -hmm. Matt Campbell's the one who hired these guys. So who's doing the good job? Yeah, yeah, who sucks? Yeah, and, like, don't sit there in the middle of what is an emotional game. Like you said, I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, this sucks. This is a disaster. But that doesn't mean that you have to let your emotions take, take control and you're like, fire everyone. Everything is a disaster. Nothing is ever going to go right. The quarterback sucks. The, you know, the defense is horrible. These defensive linemen, I've never seen them do anything. Like, don't, you, it don't have to be like that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be extremes. Yeah. And I just feel like that's just kind of our world, too. And frankly, I. And I apologize for this because I got us down this. I mean, I think that most fans are pretty down the middle, like you said. It's just we just happen to hear from the vocal minority. Yeah, the vote because that in the we, you know I have to keep that in mind with like the daily radio show. There's just not that many people who pick up the phone and call. In Twitter, and I, and I've told our staff this: the amount of our population, like it seems like the big thing, like and it, it's like a huge deal. It's really not. Like it there. There's a lot of people on Twitter, but, like, if you factor in the entire Iowa State fan base, it's not a lot of them. 
I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a good chunk, but it's not like the majority of them are, are on there doing this. I just I don't know. I I just challenge people to critically think, and I, I there's all these questions that we should ask. I I mean, I I pose the question in my column. Does the defensive scheme need to be looked at for next year? Has the Big 12 started to catch up with this? How do you adjust to that? I think it's a fair fair question. I think another fair question is to look at the offensive line. Um, we've had a lot of years in a row now where we've asked questions, is this offensive line ready to take the next step? We're going to ask the same one now, but you're going to do it without guys who have returned for the most part. Now you've got some decent chunks, I think, in the interior, but you're going to have some new tackle play and whatnot next year all these are fair questions but it also doesn't mean that the the ground is set to burn and again like you can't celebrate matt campbell not leaving and he's had multiple opportunities to and then you know when he tells you well i like this really this crap of young offensive linemen we think we're developing him well and then call him an idiot like i just I get really tired of people wanting to wanting to have it both ways. Yeah, and I mean, I think with some of those questions that John Haycock is way too smart. I know that John Haycock is way too smart because that's the way that they even got to play in this defense in the beginning. He's way too smart to sit there, and he's not near stubborn enough to sit there and be like, no, I am not going to change my scheme. This is what we run. Like, he is, he is more than willing – to sit there and make the changes if it's if what they need to do is make changes you know and if it means going back to a four-man front then I think that John Haycock will go back to a four-man front if it means uh if it means you make schematical changes just with the way that you blitz your guys I think that they'll do that but you know I, I think that as far as the offensive line too I do think that one of the positives that the, is that the guys that they have coming in that are going to step into those roles I think are starting at a higher base than what those guys that they had two years ago were so do they necessarily take a step forward I don't know but you got some talented young players and but it's like you said like if when someone comes in and tells you that they're talented man we've been doing this too long this next year will be Matt Campbell's fifth year Matt Campbell has been doing this has been here with us for too long at this point you need to realize, like, the only times that he's ever going to piss on your head and tell you it's raining is when it comes to injuries. Because he just flat out is not honest about injuries. And, like, that's perfectly fine. But when it comes to whether or not someone is having a good camp or he is impressed by someone, he's not going to lie to you. He's going to be honest. And I know that he's impressed by this group of offensive linemen. He says that it's the best group of offensive linemen they've brought in since they've been at Iowa State. I believe him. Like I said, injuries, anything that Matt Campbell says about injuries, outside of what he said about Brock Purdy today because the season's over, it doesn't matter. But, like, when he tells you anything week to week that you think that something's happening about injuries, do not believe a single word that he says. That's basically what I've gotten to on that entire situation. Yeah, and, and I, know it, I know this bothers media guys, and I don't really consider myself. I don't really do what you do anymore, more just of a commentator. And, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with admitting that. Like, it's fine. Um I don't blame Campbell because the rules don't dictate him to be honest about injuries. If this was the NFL, he would have to disclose those things. He doesn't. So it's like if, if reporters want to get mad or fans want to get mad about disclosure of injuries and all that stuff, college football needs to change the rules. Because at this point, like, nobody's being honest about injuries. So why would he? It, in his mind, and I think coaches are the most paranoid human beings in the world, 
in Matt's mind, it's like, why would I give anybody a competitive advantage if they're not doing it to me? It's a systematic problem in the injury deal. See, and this is something that if we're going to be out here having like a a therapy session with everybody on the post uh, part of, I mean, Mortem podcast uh, for the football season, not only are we going to do it for the fans, but we are going to do it for the media guys because I just feel like this needs to be said. And I would sit and I've said it to people's faces. Man, we're not covering Watergate. This isn't the Pentagon Papers. Like, let's not sit here and pretend like this is make or break American history type of stuff. That's what bugs me. You know that if there was a time where like anything like this, I got really fired up about it. And like, it didn't, or just anything in my life, I always got really fired up. I figured out over time, I feel like I've grown up a little bit, I figured out over time, this is worth being fired up about, and this is not. That's one of those things that like squarely fits in the this is not worth being fired up about. For what it's worth, I think getting your ass kicked by Notre Dame is worth being fired up about. Yeah, like I'm not yeah. saying, but like, I I completely agree with you. Like the injury report thing to me is not something I'm gonna get. I just expect it. And there's so many just day to day things like that they don't. Yeah, like I said, we've been here for five years. Matt Campbell hasn't been honest with us about an injury once unless someone season's over. And even then, Jaquan Bailey broke his foot or leg or whatever it was, and he came in and said, yeah, he had surgery. It was a lower body, lower leg bone injury. And that's it. He is not going to tell you anything. So, like, at this point, don't even ask. Or if you do ask, like, just assume that what he's telling you probably is not exactly accurate. I, I, think, I think you have to keep asking. Like, if I was... Well, no, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, keep yeah. asking, but generally just assume that what he's telling you probably is not true. And if... And you can... You can call him out for it, too, you know? <laughs> you could be like, hey, Matt, are you telling me the truth? Like, I think that's fair, too. If you want to burn that bridge with Matt Campbell, then go right ahead. That's all. That, that's what I would tell to any reporter. I know for me, I value what – because this, this is something that a lot of fans I don't think understand. There's a lot of give and take that goes with this job. You can't just go in there guns a-blazing every day and be like, I'm going to win my, my Pulitzer by writing about – whether or not Julian Good Jones is really hurt or if he's suspended. And, like, you got to play the game a little bit sometimes. And if you play the game, then they'll play the game with you. But if you don't want to play the game, then they're not going to play the game with you. And that's where there's, like, I don't know, that's a rant kind of. And that's it's, just, it's, it's, it's the uh, postpartum 2019 podcast. For which bar are we at? We should give these Jack's Place. Jack's Place here in Orlando. We literally have this road microphone out here, and, the, and these—I mean, these people are looking at us. Like, what are these guys doing? I'm running low here. I might have you go, or I might. Can you talk yeah. while I get us another round? Well, yeah, I mean, like, are you? I don't know. It's probably a decent point. Um, well, because we've got a lot to get to. Like, we'll start to start looking at next year and all that stuff but yeah I just like it's frustrating and I get it and I I'm probably too um, it's a blessing that I hear from so many fans and I, I should never take that for granted I should I thank God for it every day but man like it just gets it starts to really wear and I understand like why John Miller got out like I really do I totally get it like n- constant negativity just wears on a guy and it so like again that's probably where a lot of this comes from but I just 
we got to keep perspective, guys. Like, you got uh, John. Well, and John, you make great point about John Haycock. He can't go from being like a year ago. Oh, we're holding him off from Oklahoma. He's the best coordinator in the country. He can't go from that to being an idiot in one year. He can't. Sorry. It's just, and it wasn't fool's gold. You made a great point about what he took that defense from what it was to what it became. It, it just, in the, in the Tom Manning deal to me is just as infuriating I would have to go and look at all the numbers. I mean, if you do, if you're a stats junkie, and I and I'm not like all on stats because games change. You know, like the game's very different than it was when Dan McCartney was leading the program and Sage Rosenfels, and they're dropping. You know, they're playing a pro style. It's totally different. This was the best season in the history of Iowa State football offensively. And you want to fire the guy? Get a life. Yeah, and that's like that's what I was gonna say. Is it's just man, think where we were five years ago at this time. Iowa State was averaging like two point, two yards per play offensively. They went three and out probably more times than they would get, or almost as many times as they would get a first down in a football game. And then defensively, they were like one of the worst defenses in the country five years ago at this time. You're going two and ten. Do you guys want to go back there? I don't. I know that where we're at right now is a hell of a lot more fun than it was right then. And that's what I'm saying. It's like keep things in perspective. Yeah. We're not Clemson. We're not Clemson. Well, and you don't have to uh, – you, you just – it's just this, man, I, I don't want to get this political, but everybody's polarized about everything now. Like, nobody can just be like, yeah, I had a decent day. It's going to be the greatest day in the world or the worst. Today was a bad day. Like, nobody's sugarcoating anything. It sucked. You got your ass kicked by a blue bud, and it wasn't even close. It was embarrassing, like, all that stuff. But there, there's just there's more to the conversation than that. And I'll, I'll just leave it. I, I think the... If I could leave everybody with anything, it's just getting to that next step is, yeah, we'll do another round, sir. Thank you very much. Out here at uh, Jack's Place Restaurant and Bar. The uh, So a few other tales. So we were in a um, – moving on right now, thanks to our new sponsor, Elite Construction. <laughs> this is true. Like, I'm not making this up. The guy offered to give me cash. At the bar, and I was like, no, we'll do this like professionals tomorrow, okay? Um, we we were in a hit-and-run last night in an Uber. This is true. 100% true. Legitimate hit-and-run. Another good developing story. So we had a Cyclone Fanatic tailgate today, and I want, to, I want to thank my dear friend Steve Kemp, who I was just pouring my heart out to Jared. after He, he organized it. I didn't have anything to do with it a tailgate for Cyclone Fanatic members today before the Campy Moral Bowl. And he got barbecue for like 80 people, brought it, beers, everything. Charged everybody a rate. And the proceeds went to the Children's Cancer Connection, which is a really dear uh, charity to my heart. And we raised almost $1,500. And I've been doing a fundraiser for the last month. Uh, We're almost at $10,000 now. And I want to thank Steve. Steve is the most um, giving human I think I have ever met, and I I love him like family. So I want to give him a shout out. That was that's been that was the highlight of my trip so far. Thanking all thanking all of our friends at the um, who came on our charter. We've had a great group. I want to thank our new friends at Cyclone Liquors. We combined to have a charter with them. 
uh, th- they're great people. So there's been a lot of good to come out of this. What what kind of shenanigans have you gotten yourself into? You've been here since like November. Yeah, since basically November. Um, man, what what all shenanigans have I been in? Well, I went to uh, a Christmas bar with Dylan Monson and Alex Halstead. That was quite fun. Uh, man, there's just I I've worked a lot. That's like been the most of it. Is just a, a lot of working and a lot of. Kind of just chilling. Uh, got to see Uncut Gems. I know you don't like movies, but it's, but it's a phenomenal film with uh, Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett. I highly recommend it to anybody out there that might be listening. And, um, man, I went to Universal Studios, which was vastly overrated. Vastly overrated Universal Studios. It's just a money-printing machine, and it's a scam. I, I told you not to go to those parks. Those parks, like, to me, with my mental mindset hell on earth absolute hell strollers everywhere people lines like horrible horrible you couldn't have paid me to go there with you that day and i frankly i think it's it's good that you learned that lesson at this stage in your life yeah i mean it was it was good experience like i'm sure that i'll be glad that i did it but at the same time i'm i'm angry that i did was had to go at the time that i did because it's like this was the worst time of year to have to to go and do that but um then yeah getting the hit and run this has been by far the least eventful bull trip i've been on of the last two why one i just think that this city sucks i'm just gonna be straight up about it i hate this city i hate orlando and it has nothing to do with the people it has nothing to do with anything. This is just about the complete infrastructure of the city. How spread out it is. Everything's all spread out. You got to Uber like 30 minutes to get anywhere. There's just... It's expensive. I would never live in Orlando. Anybody who lives in Orlando deserves a medal for being able to put up with this. It's like if you live in Orlando... I mean, unless it's like job related, right? So if you have a job here, I get it. You choose to live here. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you just move to the coast and, like, see the beach? Like, this is like, oh, I'm in Florida, but I don't get the ocean. Like, this, it's just a giant tease of a town, and the people are terrible drivers. We literally saw a hit and run. We were we were involved in it. Jared, Jared might have to go to court in the state of Florida because the guy was like, oh, you know, did you get you guys a witness? I'm like Jared was. I volunteered you, so you may have to be flying down in the next couple weeks, but that's okay. Um, it's a. It's just not my place. It's a, it was a good experience. I thought the Camping World Bowl did a nice job. I think everybody enjoyed it, other than the game. But man, like I would rather go to Memphis than here. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't. I'm not saying that I would want to have another season that demands going back to Memphis. But I would much rather be in Memphis or San Antonio right now. Like, not even close. It's not even close. And that, I would prefer if I never had to come back here again in my entire life. And I don't, and like I said, I don't mean it as a dis, as disrespect, but this, I just do not think that this is a nice city. It's like, it's all of the bad things about Florida combined into one city without any of, hardly any of the good things. And I didn't even get to go to the Magic game. Like, I don't, I don't know what positives I can possibly take out of this trip, Chris. Man. And the clones got their ass kicked. It's really cold. Need to get this man another cold beer. Where is that guy? Here at Jack's place. 
Yeah, I wish you guys could see like what we're doing right now and like where we're at and all that stuff. We look like complete idiots. I'm gonna be honest. That's a f- I don't care. What's Do you, you think this is the first time in my life that I've looked like a complete idiot? Well, I mean, you were with me last night, so you yeah. know that it's not the first time I've been a complete idiot. So. Anywho, okay. Well, let's let's just wrap it up. That's what she said. Um, I probably shouldn't have done that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I don't think Orlando's as bad as you made it out to be, but I do think like we're so accustomed to Kansas City, to Memphis, to San Antonio, where it's like there's these places where everybody can congregate. It's just hard here. And we knew this would be the case. Now, I do think the university did a good job of putting everybody kind of in the same area. And I think the bowl game is a lot responsible. In our hotel, for our charters, it's kind of all in the same spot, which is a good thing. But it's just tough. It's, it's just different than what we're used to. They made the best of a bad situation. I stand by it. I hate this place. I don't take it back. Uh, Orlando is becoming Jared's date in Ohio, everybody. All right. <laughs> Just wait. If basketball continues on its trajectory, and they Jared's go, like choking over here. Basketball continues on its trajectory, and we, you know, the Iowa State goes like eight and eight and Big Twelve or something like that, or nine and nine or whatever. Just watch us go back there too. Go uh, to the friendly confines of Ladder Eleven Lounge. Been there, literally. Like I think the last time we were in Dayton, I think I had like fifteen meals there, because it was the only restaurant to go to. It was horrible. Um, okay, New Year's coming up. Final conversation of the podcast. New Year's resolution for the Iowa State football program. You want me to go first? My New Year's resolution would be to reassess the defensive scheme. I don't want to blow it to pieces. I love the three-three-five. I absolutely love it. I think... I think there's so so many options there. I think the I think the defensive line was good this year. I don't think they were great. Um, I think that that group, even losing Lima and Johnson, can continue to evolve. Uh, and that's I, I think that they'll be challenged in the off season. I'm fine with it. I just want to see more looks. And I John Haycock is. The we call him the professor for a reason. Like I, I just, I think that this is a great opportunity now, having seen what offenses are doing to this defense now, and like some ways that they're attacking it. I think this is a great opportunity to just, yeah, to to continue to evolve. I think they tried to this year. They wanted that Will McDonald thing to work. It didn't. Um, how do they tweak it? In the that would be my my number one resolution. Because I, I still, like, I actually, I think we go into next season, like, pretty confident in the offense with Brock Pretty coming back. You've got three best tight ends in the Big 12. You've got Brees Hall, who's an established running back now. Uh, you got good receivers coming back. So, to me, like, defensively, that'd be my, my biggest one. I think for me, man, it's like, it's continuing to evolve the offense and let the offense reach its maximum. How can you take advantage of those playmakers that you have to your, to the best of their abilities? You know, it kind of goes back to what I said before. Figure out how to create your own luck where you don't need 
the universe almost to like give you some opportunities sometimes. Figure out a way to create your own luck and like make make good things happen for you. Like LSU, Alabama, Clemson, they make good things happen because they're like making plays all the time. And how do you do that? I don't know. But that's something I want Iowa State to do. The last thing, and this is this can be the end of the podcast. Put in a damn QB sneak from underneath the center. Okay, Randy. I'm done. No, this ain't nothing about Randy. Man, tell me that that was a good decision in that scenario. I'm okay with. I, I'm not. I will never harp on the shotgun stuff because I don't know. Okay, then run QB no. power. L- listen, will you hear me out? Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go for it on fourth down in the middle of the field, have a play. Like have a bread and butter play. That's not a bread and butter play. What no. they ran. That's no, not. No. It's just in. But I could also make the point is you should be at a point with your offensive line and get a little bit of a push and get a yard. But have a play. It doesn't have to be a QB sneak. Brock Purdy is not Nate Stanley where he can just fall forward. Have a damn play. That's that that that's my analysis of that. I know that a lot of man. I I don't think. I don't think I've ever got more response to a single play on my Twitter feed in my life than that one. So I know it pissed a lot of people off. Just have a bread and butter play. I got nothing left to say. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm done for 2019. I've said my I've, – I've spoken. <laughs> Jared has spoken. That's it. All right. Um, the postpartum – I mean postmortem podcast as we sign off – from Orlando. It, it, I know it's hard on some of you, but I love all the fans. I do. I don't know. We're going to go get some food somewhere. We're hungry. Uh, Daddy, Daddy's starving right now, so we're going to go and do that. Uh, have a great rest of 2019. Um, thoughts and prayers that we all get home safely and Cyclone Fanatic can keep going here in the very near future. Jerry, do you take off tomorrow morning? What time? Uh, about 7 o'clock in the morning. We go back at like 4.30 so Daddy can just chill. Why do you keep saying that? It's just what I do. All right. Have a great night, everybody.